Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello and welcome to Stop Hammer Time. My name is Phil Whelans and I completely missed the last two games of football we played. Uh, one involving a draw with Derby... I uh, know, one involving a draw with Newcastle United and a win over Derby County in the Cup. I was uh, in the middle of the uh, Indian Ocean on a boat, so didn't even see, hear or be aware of a second of either of those games, only in fact hearing the scores when I returned to uh, terra firma. So here to talk through those games with me are, as always, Jim Grant. Hello, Jim. Good evening. And joining us this week, it is a writer and uh, lecturer, Mark Gower. Uh, Mark? Uh, you went to Newcastle, so you got a first eye uh, correspondence view of that game. Uh, splendid, very tired from it. Yep. Yes. Well, what a what a journey! What a journey! <laughs> um, also with us this week, it is Simon Pentel, Casey, with his sunshine band. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, Have you got um, used to writing that? different things on your checks now? Um, well, funny enough, I never did that on a check because I always thought that was asking for trouble. But mm. so many of my systems was, were automated with a sign-out or either signature of QC. And I've forgotten how many um, of those there were in different guises that um, had spent ages changing them all. Yeah. Um, although some of it were automated, which is really kind of spooky. Um, mm. I'm rather terrified of a lot of technology. But that some of them were, my professional material was automatically changed to Casey without me doing a thing, I found mm. um, a little troubling. Yes. Let's put it like that. Yes. <laughs> They're watching us, the big tech corporations. Big tech is watching us. They sure is. What's that AI program called? G G B B Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, chat that thing. BPT. Or That's right. Chat GPT. I had a little dig at it in the poem in the last uh, podcast. I <laughs> so you it. did. Very Seems to good. me like a complete and utter cheats fucking charter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, well, it's co it's causing chaos already in um, certainly in American colleges. Um, you know, it, 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 the, the thing about it is is, is that it's go it can 
it's rather just copy and paste things as it were from the internet it'll take stuff from the internet and then it'll compose mm. plausible sentences referenced and whatnot so it's capable of writing you an essay that can't be um detected by the usual um you know software for detecting plagiarism yeah we have that so turn it in so turn it in can't pick it up no no it's really, it's really challenging yeah, i'm sorry to say i think it's dreadful i think it's terrible and i think for me as a lot of these things tip the balance actually firmly against technology improving our lives um and i i think this is going to be demonstrative of and i sound like a real old fogey but i don't care because i am an old fogey i think it's going to be demonstrative of creating um future generations um in the western world who are completely illiterate completely ignorant and can do nothing even think for themselves because they've got the technology that means they don't have to bother to try. Saying that, I did have a student submit a dissertation in Morse code once. <laughs> That's very good. Oh, and what did you reply? <laughs> dot dot dash dash. Well, no, I tried to. I, I tried to. I had to. He submitted it because it was around Morse code, and I worked, tried to work it out. It was all bullshit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> But very, I thought, I thought of genius, but not failed. No, yeah, not. failed. Well, failed. I mean, you know, it just kills the individual thought. I mean, for example, that famous, if, if true, I know, no, I know not, but even if it's a, an, an urban myth or apocryphal, it doesn't matter. In the days of the old Oxbridge entrance exams, when famously um, in answer, you meant to write an essay, an essay in response to, is this a question? Um, someone replied, yes, if this is an answer. Um, it would kill that sort of individual thought, wouldn't it? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody robots. Bloody robots everywhere. Um, now then, we uh, won at uh, Derby County in the Cup. Yeah. Uh, Jim, you went to that game. I, what I was it like? It was, um, in footballing terms, it was a bit of a stroll in the park. You have to say it was quite a, you know, professional, um, controlled performance. Um, got the got the goals uh, early in each half. Um, the, the, the first one sort of made it more comfortable for us. The second one just put the game to bed. So it was, um, you know, un un unusually for those kinds of games, it, it, was, a, it was a sort of anxiety-free cup experience i mean it, a lot down to the fact that you know in suchek and downs are a pretty good second string central midfield actually and yeah. they played they played very well and you know we were we were we were kind of just you know solid they were never just kept them at arm's length really you know they had some long shots and one thing but they didn't really trouble us um and uh big away sort of um uh following on a on a monday night which was good to see and uh made a lot of noise it was it was i, I thoroughly enjoyed it i found a very nice pub in the uh sort of the cathedral district of, of derby right next to the old the old silk mill right next to what was apparently the the oldest factory in the world uh, built in 1721 and uh it did very nice pies and and beer and stuff it was good mm, you're good. making me feel even worse. i was really annoyed that this game got moved to the Monday night mm. and just moving games generally. And we know why they moved this game. West Ham is struggling. West, they're yeah. playing an inform uh, league one side. 
They're expecting West Ham to slip up. So let's put it on the telly. And so I was so excited. We were bound easy to get a ticket for that. Monday night, I've never been to um, Fry Park, baseball ground. And so you've made it even worse now, Jim. It sounds wonderful. But these games are really, really annoying. (laughs) Well, just picking up on that, I think we all agree about it. And... um, as far as the FA Cup is concerned, I have absolutely no sympathy for the Football Association um, for the fact that their primary tournament has been relegated to almost insignificance. Um, and in truth, it has, however much they try to pretend it hasn't. But they are the architects of their own downfall in this regard, because part of the magic of the FA Cup And I know I speak of a time when it was the only live game on the um, club game, that is, of of the year on television. And we used to have those famous, you know, all-day viewings and the cup, it's a knockout and all of that nonsense that went Mm. with it. And so I speak of a time, obviously, at the time when West Ham did win the cup in the modern era, when winning the cup was far more prestigious than winning the league because of all the paraphernalia that went with it. But part of the excitement was that it was all every round kicked off on a Saturday at 3 p.m. And so when you got the results that night um, or during the afternoon, you were looking at who else, how is everyone else getting on at the same time? Yeah. You've removed that, and I think it's done irreparable harm to the actual excitement of the tournament. And the FA throw their hands up and say, well, it's not fair, we're victims of the success of the Premier League. Well, what do you bloody well expect to happen if you, the FA who are the governing body of English football, have allowed this to happen. But equally, and we'll move on to it, um, I was, I had a ticket for Saturday but I could at Newcastle, and a very posh one too, but I couldn't make it for the 5.30 because I had commitments on Saturday night, and late, much later Saturday night and, and into Sunday morning. And I therefore had to forego. And, you know, it's the same issue that as ever the supporters are moved around the board like chess pieces at the diktat of the broadcaster for reasons with which we are fully aware um but we can carry on arguing about it but at the end of the day he who pays the piper calls the tune however i just want to say this before you move on and jim you touched on it i watched both games on tv and i thought the away support in both was simply fantastic, it particularly was, yeah. at St. James's Park, yeah. where a good mate of mine actually um, is an advisor to the consortium that bought Newcastle and goes there regularly. Um, we spoke in the morning, and he's concerned for West Ham, he's a lifelong West Ham fan, um, was that the atmosphere that's currently generated at St. James's has swamped many teams. And he said he was really looking forward not just to seeing his own team players and James's, but the fact that, as he said, you know, we've got a proper away following. And it'd be good for the home fans to see a proper away following. And I thought um, they were simply outstanding yeah. at St. Yeah. James's Park. Yeah. Phenomenal yeah. following. Yeah. And you could and hardly hear, actually, the old chant of where's your famous atmosphere. You could hardly hear... St. James's, the roar, the, well, there's a couple we'll get onto when we get to Newcastle and about the goals. But, yeah, it was all, we were loud. And funny. It was really funny. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. I think I think the away sport remains, you know, terrific, and at times, you know, second to none. I think, um, and, and I credit to the team um, as well at, at Newcastle. They, you know, for long periods of the, the game, like a sort of, you know, a classic away performance in Europe, they they shut the Newcastle fans up, didn't they? I, I think we, you know, particularly for long sections of the of the first half, kept the ball well. The passing was snappy and crisp. Um, and we looked to threat, you know, um, on, on the counter. So I think it was, you know, also a good performance on on the field as well, particularly first half. Well, Derby, yeah, um, Derby was. Derby was a really, like you were saying, really I professional. Think, think really professional. That mm-hmm. it was, um, um, we could have quite easily slipped up. Again, that was moved because they were expecting us to slip up there. And yeah. the West Ham side, in the past, mm. quite he would have slipped up there but we were solid from that goal um exactly like you say downs and suchet in midfield i think we controlled midfield defense looked really good yeah and uh bowen antonio always i thought looked a threat i think Bo antonio i'm starting to see glimpses again of him coming back to coming back to some sort of form um it's quite odd that four nails got man in a match i couldn't uh, that was uh yeah yeah. Even at the end, like Adam McCoy, yeah. so I don't know what I love four nails. I actually do adore yeah. that man. Not quite sure, and even he was a bit embarrassed, wasn't he? I think when I I watched it on telly, mm. and he got given it uh, by Bowen, and he was like, he was quite surprised. He thought he was going to be given it to, <laughs> to Bowen. Bowen. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah. we totally controlled it. It was it yeah. was comfortable. It was professional. Um, as you said, the West Ham fan, it was all, it was really audible. They I think loud. Yeah. I think a key got, feature. Sorry, I think a key no. feature of um, uh, of of this sort of slight uptick, and I think you'd have to just call it that in 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 performance, uh, is the fact that Oggy seems to be beginning to find his um, form again and, and get back to fitness. Um, and he's organising the defence generally pretty well. Give, leave aside the first couple of minutes at uh, Newcastle. And again, uh, oh, uh, every time I see him, I'm more and more impressed. I, 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 I think he really does look like uh, a quality time. Well, I have to say, for me, the only highlight of the World Cup, um, and I confess I did my best to avoid most because I was thoroughly appalled that it was held where it was held. And I don't care what anyone else says, and I therefore tried to avoid it. But ironically, in the circumstances, I probably watched more of um, Morocco than I did of any other team. Yeah. And having seen Aguerd perform in the World Cup finals, I couldn't wait to actually see him put on a West Ham shirt yeah. and do the same thing because I, I, that was the highlight for me. I thought, my God, we've actually got a proper defender here. We've actually signed a serious bloody defender. And him alongside Ogbonna, and I agree with you, Jim, I thought it was interesting. He was made captain, wasn't he, on on, on the mm-hmm. Monday night? Yep. Um, and which was great for him. But he's back, and of course, you can only hope that um, uh, when Zuma's fully fit um, yep. as a three, th- yep. I think that that will present a real proper defensive rock. That's so long fair. as we can hold the three of them, um, that will that will start as a platform. To change, I think everything oh. that has preceded it in what has been such a thoroughly disappointing season. Totally yeah. agree, and that uh, that was Moise's plan. He has been without him. He want he want, obviously he's bought him right mm. from the start. He's been he was without him right from the start for the whole of first half of the season. So I think we've 
God, I'm still obviously. Um, I want Moyes to fix this. I'm still wanting to be with it. That's where I stand. And I think we've been really unlucky. We've talked about it lots of times in the pod about uh, the games. We've been really unlucky. And we've been unlucky with injuries. Cornet, Aguerd, now we're seeing it's a bra- it's like a brand new signing. He is great. We have looked really solid in the last uh, three or four games. Um, Mark, listen, I obviously you've got to agree with that analysis. But, and, and this for me, alongside, of course, Aguerd coming to the side and Ogbonna re- returning, what has happened, I think, in the last three games, and I don't want to, to build um, an argument on three matches, but for the first time in the entire season, in domestic games, we've actually competed. And I was livid at the beginning of the season. I, um, I, know, I know, Phil, you know, after the first game, the Man City game at home, you know, the viewers expressed, well, you know, it's Man City. But mm. we didn't make a bleeding tackle yeah, in 90 minutes. Their faces. No, I completely and, agree. And we've yeah. not done that. We've yeah. not done that, except for partially against Tottenham, because it was Tottenham. We've not actually stood up to be counted, it seems to me, in any game. We've been lethargic beyond comprehension. Um, if we were any more lethargic, we would have been entirely comatose throughout most of the um, Premier League matches this season. And for the first time, and maybe it's because of the impending threat of relegation, at least against Everton, that you could see, well, okay, we better get stuck in today. And they damn well did. Mm. And it actually demonstrates if you try and you chase around for 95 minutes and you make some tackles and you stick close to people, you might actually win a bleeding game of football. You know, it doesn't sort of work like that. Yes, no, I agree. And I think, I think, you know, um, the first half, I, I, I think there was a, it was just, it was a slight game of two halves, the Newcastle game. I, we, I thought we were outstanding in the, in the first half. I thought it was possibly the best 45 minutes um, we've played in, in, in some respects. And in particular, the pressing was effective. Mm. In particular, we closed, we closed, we, we, and we also turned the ball over in, in, in dangerous positions. Rice was imperious, uh, um, Couldn't agree with you more. He was fantastic. Um, he was just—he was just on another level. And and I mean, you know, we know he can reach those heights, but he has been a bit inconsistent at his very high, mm. sta- you know, by his very high standards. He's been a bit inconsistent. And I felt that first—that well, was the best forty-five minutes we've seen from Paquetta in a, in a West Ham shirt. Um, and that—that—that uh, that, that is starting to look like a potent. Uh, with those, those three at the back, uh, Rice has to worry less about being the, the, constantly the defensive screen. Uh, Emerson is starting to look like the player we thought we were getting as an attacking uh, wing back. Soufal is getting his mojo back. I mean, the whole thing is starting to to look better. Um, uh, and 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 I, you know, it's chicken and egg, isn't it? I mean, that, that does yeah. that mean they run around more, or do they run around more because things are starting to get? You know, a little bit better, and Bowen is sort of getting, you know, getting back to something like yeah. the formula. Yes, <laughs> yes, I, I, th- I agree. I think that that you know the the way we started the season, you know, and we've talked about this before. Is you know, in a way, in Moyes' defence, he didn't know that uh, two or three players were just going to come back from the summer 
shadows of the men they've been when they went into that break. Uh, two of those principally, Sue Fall and Bowen. And both of those, if they start to kind of play like the way they can, help with the pressing, don't they? And they help with the tempo, don't they? Definitely. And, um, uh, yeah, so... But isn't the manager kind of responsible for some of that? Um, look, yeah, Mark, you know, you've been um, tremendously appreciative just now. Um about David Moyes, but I, I'll just throw this at you. Um, Jesse Marsh, who of course got sacked just now from Leeds, um, in the period that Jesse Marsh was managing Leeds across that same number of games, um, and he's just been sacked, um, Leeds won three more points than we did over the, exactly the same number of games. Um, we, we accumulated 30 points, during the period of his tenure as manager of Leeds United, they accumulated 33. So it's not just into this season, it's into the previous season, um, when there was no Aguerd uh, um, on our books about whom you could say, well, he's injured, how unfortunate is it? So um, I'm just, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm putting the other side to this argument. It's not just all a bit about bad luck and players um, perhaps not coming back from the summer. This predates that. And I think that's what the manager's there for, frankly, because if he's not there for that, I really don't know what else he's meant to be doing. No, I get that. And and, and the atmosphere has been quite toxic around this. But I, I there was something on Twitter. Someone said on Twitter, I think it was West Ham Central posted, would love Moyes to turn this around. And there was an image of him walking towards the West Ham fans away at Leon, and they were singing that song. And I was like, I would too, because I've had two. The two seasons, the last seasons we've had, have been brilliant. I'd put that. And then someone went, brilliant, question mark, question mark. And I was just like, I didn't, I just responded and said, cheer up, Simon. This guy, no, not you, Simon. This guy was called Simon. <laughs> so this, I was thinking, I, I can't said, remember. I can't remember. No, you, but this guy was called Simon. I won't give you a second note, but cheer up, Simon. It was, it was, I think he's got, he's got, he's got money in the bank. He has got the experience of getting us out of this situation twice. He is an experienced head. You talk about Jesse Marsh. Jesse Mask hasn't got um, the well, what I have seen, the experience of Premier League, being able to be in certain situations, see things. Frank Lampard hasn't didn't have that. That's why he, he had to go. You couldn't trust someone like Frank Lampard or Jesse Marsh to get you out of problems. You can trust, or I, right, I'm talking for you, Simon, I, I <laughs> we should be able to trust someone with the experience of Moyes that has seen patterns and plays. It comes with experience, good experience. He can see those patterns of play and see when something's going wrong. He is slow. I must admit, he is, he's a, we've talked about a cautious manager, but he has made those changes that we have been crying out for. Now we've got um, Pakatar and Rice sitting in there. We've all wanted that. I think he's very loyal and he gives time to players, but he does come round. He does come round. And I yeah. think we're all confident. Or Well, I feel I'm confident with that back three. Kara, I'm at the moment still, a little, maybe a little bit question marks. Um because yeah. he went off early against Newcastle, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, he got um, off. It was he. Um, 
Did he play? Did, first of all, was there a back three for both of those games, Derby and? Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. And yeah. was it the same back three? Was it a uh, Aguirre, uh, uh, Ogbonna, the, the, the and starting, Yeah, the starting three. Yeah, but right. he um he he subbed Kerr uh, at half time. Um, he was injured. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, for me, I prefer um, his Johnson. replacement. Yeah, in, in that three. I, I, I'm sorry to say, I don't get care at all. I don't rate him. I don't think he's a centre-back. I don't think he's a full-back. And I know um, he was caught alongside Ogbonna um, for the opening goal that, that was allowed for Newcastle on, on Saturday. Um, but he gets caught like that all the time. He plays people on when he all he's got to do is step forward. Um, I, I just don't see what Kara actually gives. Um, I, it's a it's beyond me. I, it's a mystery to me. Um, and um, if everyone were fit, he wouldn't be anywhere near my first team um, bench, let alone the eleven that go out. Mm. Well, he mm. won't be. He won't. He won't be in the, once Zoom is fit, as you say. He won't. He won't be in the start. Now, I, I was going to say, you know, just in, in talking about the team. Uh, at Newcastle, the the big disappointments in that first half, and possibly the reason why we didn't take the lead in that first half, I would say, uh, um, is that uh, was definitely a bit of a weak link, um, and and was at fault for the goal, although there were other errors that led, led to the goal, I think. Um, but uh, uh, Ben Rama was a massive disappointment, and uh, and often is when he starts. Uh, he it feels like he's at his best when he comes on. And starts running with the ball at tired defenders, but um, Trippier absolutely just had him in his his pocket, and and um, his decision making, you know, just wasn't good enough. Time and again, we got into really good positions with space, and he made a really really poor final final decision, final ball, or an attempted shot, or whatever, you know. And we've been saying about this about you know this about him for some time. Um, I, I think those were conspicuous. Uh, weak links and and I, I'm desperate for Corne to 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 get in and get established uh, because I think he's the I, I feel you know along with Zuma he he would have been the missing link in terms of that that team if we'd have had him fit and firing down that left hand side I think we'd have won that game yeah there was a very well, interesting sort of um sort of spat on the Facebook page uh, that accompanies this podcaster. Obviously, as I said, I didn't see the game. Um, but, you know, someone, you know, possibly overstating the case to make a point said that they thought that, you know, Ben Rama was essentially a kind of championship player and, uh, um, you know, should go back to the championship. And then people were leaping in, go saying, you know, uh, he's been our best player this season. Well, possibly England's Declan Rice might fill <laughs> yeah, that yeah. position in terms of yeah. our team. Um, but, you know, there were, it really was incredibly divisive. I have to say, I sort of, uh, I agree with you, Jim. I think, uh, um, you know, seeing him for a full 90 minutes, it, it is worrying. The fact that the, the, he, two thirds of him is an incredibly good footballer, but the third that isn't, really can't play football, you know, and that's decision-making and final ball. And, you know, if someone's going to beat four players and then just dink it over into the gloves of the goalkeeper, you might as well have a shit player. You know, I mean, it, all that sort well, of good work. I, I, I've I've long not been a fan of Ben Rama. I think he's a bit of a flat-track bully. I don't think he is a championship player. I think he's in that... Um, 
awkward um, group of a number of players who sit, who is actually too good for the championship, but I don't actually think he's good enough for the Premier League. And yeah. when I say the Premier League, I mean the proper, the proper yeah. boys in the Premier League. He wouldn't get into it, you know, any of the top 10 Premier League clubs, let's be quite blank, blunt about it. But what I would like to see... Um, Moyes try and he's really and this is where I do have a problem with David Moyes is his um, absolute devotion to playing one up front because in the absence of Cornet I would actually like to see Mikel Antonio play on the left and I would like to yeah. see um, A and other well he's got a choice of two whichever's fit um, play in the middle and Bowen on the right and I think you know because Mikel Antonio, and I know uh, I'm a big fan. I've always said I am. I, I think the guy's terrific. I really love him as a footballer. I know he's got his faults, and I could I can recite them as clearly and concisely as everybody else. But when he actually makes a run down the left-hand side, you always sense something just might happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Ben Rama, you, you you know that a, a player of the of the um, caliber of of the Newcastle or his, his opponent on, on Saturday night was going to was going to eat him up, and that's that's how it proved. Yeah, totally, yeah. Totally, yeah, he should come off the bench. I don't, and, I, and again, here I'm a defender of Moyes, but I'm not here because I don't understand why. When we have been struggling, we've wanted that energy. We've not had four nails in the team. Who would? Yeah. He's a bundle of energy, mm. and. If you want then someone to take off and then bring Ben Rama on for the last 10 to have a bit of hope or to run at scare at scare someone to run at them, that's that's his time. When someone's a little bit tired, that's when those players are. I think you made a really good point. He sits in that no man's land uh, <laughs> where it'd be a, he's an excellent championship player, but just not good enough for a top club in uh, the Premier League. But he could come on and do a job um, on the bench. That's quite that's a good good player to have on the bench. I just I would like to see Fornells um in the side a lot more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean Fornells is uh doesn't have blistering pace really, but he is a, a good player and he's very direct, you know, and I think he he makes things happen as well. I think he's looking to looking to try and do something that will surprise the other team. Trouble is, you know, again, the thing with Ben Rama is that he will run along the left touchline towards the corner flag. Everybody knows what he's doing and ends up just being boxed in and playing a kind of ineffective cross. Um, Notwithstanding this, I prefer four now as it happens um, in the centre rather yeah, than on the left-hand yeah, yeah. side. I don't think he's got sufficient pace to be a real threat on the left, which is why I would plumb for Mikel Antonio, um, yeah. as long as you've got someone fit to play in the centre. But um, I, I prefer him. I, I think he, he's a real genuine, to me, a genuine number 10, um, as yeah. that actual expression was meant to be. Um, well, as we said a couple of times, as we said a couple of times, when um, the uh, Moyes a few games ago played uh, three at the back, Possibly the, the defeat to Brentford, maybe. Um, 
it got us further up the pitch, which is, uh, mm. you know, probably part of its intention. But um, every time I see three at the back, I think of Harry Redknapp's three at the back, which oh. created, you know, the, yeah. you know, pa Paqueta Rice equivalent in Lampard and Lomas, and then space for a number 10. Because you're employing wing backs, you can have two holding midfielders, then a number 10, then two in front of them, Hartson and Kitson in that case. Um he um, had a serious number 10 in, in, in the team you're talking about because yeah. Adam Erkwich was a phenomenal yeah. footballer. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But having sort of someone in that position, because quite often, despite having England's Declan Rice, um, we don't play through the middle. We, you know, we, we try and get the ball to these two sort of wing players, neither of which are actual wingers, Bowen and uh, Ben Rama. Um, when we're using a system that's supposed to use, you know, fullbacks as wingers, mm. i.e. wingbacks. And I think sort of Emerson yep. and Soufal look like they might be that, you know. Yeah, I agree. I thought we were better in that respect against Newcastle. Again, first half especially, you know, the, the, the lines of passing were better. You know, it helps when you've got an Aguerd, you know, who's, who's, who's not only a good defender, he's also a good user of the ball. Um and Paqueta is now starting to pick out some 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 better passes. Yeah, you know, I thought we passed the ball as well as we've done all season, and mm. and some of it was quicker and crisper and and sharper and correct. Meant meant that we had players receiving the ball in space or running onto the ball in in space. You know, we looked we looked a constant threat. You know, um, even if we didn't create um, as many clear cross chances as we should have done, and a lot of that is down to, to, to as I say to Ben Rama, but. Um, I, I think Saturday, overall, Jim, picking up on what you're saying, is for me Saturday was um, a was a prime example of before the game. Would I have taken the draw? Absolutely. Yeah. But what during it, I, <laughs> I was desperate. I, I really thought we should have had the win. I, I think it falls into that category. And yeah. would you? Would you? Would you uh, go go further and say that that we were a bit? I felt we were too cautious in the second half and started to defend a bit i can understand why whether it's whether it's you know genuinely managerial tactics or or just the way things pan out on the field that point felt like a very important point to get for all kinds of reasons not just for the yeah. point but also the fact it was against a team that hadn't conceded in god knows how many and was flying in the premier league with a very strong home record um it, it felt important not to lose that game once it got to about 75 minutes. Mm. And that, that's how it came across. And yet I was thinking, you know, as an armchair fan, I was thinking, oh, come on, keep going. We, we you know, we started the second half on fire. We did. And we, had a, and we had a real, I felt we had, you know, I thought we had them rocking, actually. And I was a bit disappointed both with the sort of substitutions and also just the way in which we the game panned out that we ended up sort of hanging on a little bit. Um, I, 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 thought, game. Yeah, I thought the same as, as you, Simon, you said earlier that going to the game, I thought we'd get something out of this. And now when I look, I, 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 that was based on nothing but my gut because they unbeaten, what, 11 games, was it? I hadn't let in a goal for six Premier League games. And it's going back to what you were saying, Simon, the, from the Everton, I've seen it, it's getting that, that feeling we're starting to play. Mm. But from that 
oh my god that first two minutes was the most bizarre two minutes i've ever seen and actually i didn't even see it or i experienced it but i didn't see it so <laughs> i got the lift yeah, that lift up to the gods because um, yeah. I know I'm disabled, so I've got mobility issues. Massive queue. So I get up, get out of the lift. I see the goal going on the concourse. So I'm limping along the concourse, see the goal going on the monitor. I turn around. I go up to uh, up the stairs, see the pitch, see it's being checked by VAR. Right. Start to walk along. So when I'm walking, I can't look left and right. I've got to look straight ahead. Big roar from the West Ham fans, right? Disallowed. I then go up the steps to get to my row G. By row F, there is a huge roar. Newcastle scored. I've seen, I've experienced all of it, <laughs> but I've seen none of it. It was, it, and then when I did watch it at home, it was bizarre. I was like, how did they score? And I thought the ball went out, but I didn't even see it went for a corner. How did they yeah. score from our throw? Or how, and then it, the goal from um, the goal kick, and again, like I said, we lost in midfield, and then Hera, I think, was the one out of position. But I mm. think from that start, I was there thinking uh, my head was in my hands. But at half time, we were by far the better side. But I, I think from that start, to go one nil down, or almost feeling like we'd conceded two. Yeah, I don't know whether that was a mentality that was in because I I could see some of the change. We got to because that point I, I I was delighted with, it, but I agree we just didn't have that cutting edge for that second goal. Well, I think maybe, I mean, maybe David Moyes has taken a leaf out of your book, though, Mark, on the basis that he experienced it all but could see nothing. <laughs> Quite possibly. Um, I mean, I think that I think that our sort of. Uh, you know, inability to score must weigh heavily on the players. You know, I think if you uh, if you're a team that is really, really finding it hard to put the ball in the net, I think that must really affect your, you know, the team's overall confidence. Also, you know, the the you know there was a lot riding on that game. You know, Jim, you and I went to that Villa game where we uh, yeah. recorded our first win, and. I've never seen a sort of more nervous performance. Like I think I said, it was like it was like eleven snooker players on the black in the last frame of a kind of tournament to win it sort of level of nerves. And the first half was appalling, absolutely appalling. But when we went in nil-nil up at uh, up at Villa. Uh, you know, I think they sensed that something was on and we won that game uh, because we had to and because after weathering a, a, an awful... And they were poor too because they weren't doing very well either. So uh, after weathering that poor first half, we kind of managed to find a bit of, well, enough to score one goal. And I think that the, you know, when we drew level with Newcastle at the weekend, I imagine it, it just the pressure of whether to kind of you know, stick or... Uh, um, well, yeah, yeah, I, I, eventually that told, I think, but not initially. And and we scored at a time when we were well on top and we looked very likely to get another one. And then we tore at them at the start of the of the second yeah. half. Um, and, I, you know, I, thought, oh, I, I was thinking, that's like, oh, we're going to win. There's only one team going to win there. And then just it, it crept in, that feeling that you described, mm. rather than... Mm. Rather than 
sort of settling. It wasn't as soon as we scored, but it, it by the end we were we were we were in full on just keep the point mode. I think. Let's just take a little break, and we'll carry on talking about this afterwards. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back. Um, Pakatar in the press has said that he felt that uh, he's starting to find his feet um, in in the team. Uh, Would you agree with that? You thought it was probably his best performance? Yeah, I would, certainly. Yeah, I I, I, I thought you could start to see um, the kinds of... of Capacity to keep the ball and to pick a pass was, you know, you've been starting to see the effect, effectiveness of that, I felt. And he likes to tackle. He like, he tracks back. He likes mm-hmm. to get stuck in. He's, he's, he's got, a, a, you know, work ethic. He just has struggled to adapt to the pace and intensity of Premier League football. I think it is as, is as simple as that. Um, but I think, you know, there are signs now that he is actually going to be able to adapt to it. I mean, I was what I had my doubts about that to, to start with. Having said that, he probably shouldn't have got wrestled off the ball as easily as he was for their for their opening goal, mm. um, and that is something he's still got to work on. I think that he, he, he just gets caught in possession too often. You know, um, it, it's a sort of um, it's an interesting sort of byproduct of of youth, isn't it? When we signed uh, uh, Skamaka and um, Paqueta, one you know, the point in their favour that, that that was uh, talked about a lot was their youth, you know, how young they were. We weren't getting sort of jaded old workhorses. But actually, if you want to buy a player that's going to change your team for the better, you know, when we got Di Canio, he was 28, 29, something like that, you know, similarly with Arnautovic. You know, Casemiro's played at a high level for quite a while and arrived at Manchester United. It's good because he's been playing for a while. You know, that when these players are young, their footballing brains are perhaps not as developed as they could be. You know, Thiago Silva signed by Chelsea, you know, is like, this must be rapidly approaching 40 now. And... um I think if, you know, yeah, players that you want to kind of revolutionise your teams, are, you know, some of them may well be very young, but, you know, Haaland at Manchester City has a very simple job and it's the job that he did at his last, you know, he's he hasn't, he hasn't transformed them uh, through changing their tactics, 
in any in a way other than the manager has instructed you know him to get on the end of stuff and get in the six six yard box like a kind of modern david cross um you know but where where in that where in that thought process do you fit dimitri payet who um at the risk of upsetting a lot of west ham fans i think is the finest player i've seen in the claret blue shirt since paolo di canio yeah um and who literally placed his first foot on English soil, having never played here before, yeah. and looked like he'd played his entire life here. I mean, forget for a moment um, when he set us all alight at the Emirates on his first um, Premier League game, um, sending in that cross from which um, we scored the opening goal at the Arsenal. But I went to see him play um, down, I think I slept to South End and in the preseason friendly. And within 15 minutes, all the West Ham fans were looking at each other thinking, holy moly, this guy's a fucking world beater. Um, and he'd never even, he'd never even, I think probably trained more than five days with his new teammates. And he just looked like he'd been there forever. And he was on a completely different level. He didn't need any time to settle in. He didn't yeah, need any time to get with the intensity of Simon, it. How, how old was he? When he came, um, 29? Was 20, 29, no, I, think, I think it was about 27. No, he no he, I think he was older than that. What, 30 uh, uh, in, uh, in no. 2015? He couldn't have been. That takes him to what now? 38? Oh, he's, oh, well, he's getting, yeah, is he not? He's, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, 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 I might rob but I'm, I'm, Yeah, but he's but he'd never played, like you're talking about Thiago Silva, he'd never played for one of the elite um, European clubs, had he? Um, and I just think that you know, a real top quality footballer, of which I you obviously can work out, I think he is, um, yeah. can pretty easily and quickly work out what he's got to do, understand the physicality, understand the intensity, and adopt and adapt rather his game accordingly. And he did. I am, however, glad to see Paqueta has stuck at it. I've never doubted his confidence, which I thought he demonstrated a couple of weeks ago when he took that penalty. Yeah. Um, with absolute yeah. sublime confidence, that that penalty wasn't just you know sticking it in from twelve yards. That was a demonstration of a player with supreme self belief. Um, you know he, he could have done it blindfold and almost did. Um, and I feared when he ran up to take it, he was going to try something bloody silly um, and try and chip it or even you know a boner or something stupid like that. But he didn't. He just smashed it where, exactly where it should go and turned away as if he, you know, he's he's just peeling, you know, peeling an apple. It's, it's as easy as that. Well, it was slightly one of those Bruno Fernandez penalties that actually has a choreographer, wasn't it? There was a little sort of That's chicken what, dance. Yeah. He stopped. Uh, you know, uh, he looked the other way, uh, which was very flashy. Um, looked away from the distance, he, uh, from the direction he was kicking the ball. Um, but yes, I mean, again, you know, this is uh, uh, another example of sort of Moyes, you know, be, being very cautious. So I think he did want him to be a kind of a number 10 uh, and has sort of finally, you know, sort of let that experiment run its course and, and has sort of reverted to using him as, as what, what he was clearly really 
the, the sort of Thomas Suchek upgrade, the Suchek upgrade. And I think what he wanted to do was include both of those players. You know, he, he likes Suchek a lot. It's taken him a long time to sort of replace him in the team. Uh, though he's still good, you know, for him to come off the bench. I mean, he hasn't completely uh, lost all form, Suchek, I think, but he he, he is not quite the player he was the last couple of seasons. Well, I thought but... Derby, I thought Derby, Suchek was great. I thought he was really ah, good. Yeah, it's his level good. though, isn't it? Yeah. 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 But oh, I, don't yeah, think it's yeah, to, I think it's fair, unfair to uh, ignore Flynn Downs, who I thought was terrific. Oh, he's great. Mm. Yeah. And, yeah, he's and I've fair. actually got, I, I, you know, given that we all know, um, it is now definitely the, imminent departure of Declan Rice and it's going to be the question mark therefore who is going to play alongside Pekata next season assuming of course we remain in the Premier League um, I, I actually think that Moyes could do a lot worse than try Flynn Downs in that position mm-hmm. um, because the obvious you know being West Ham we've done it the wrong way around we should have bought the Rice replacement last summer which is why in a way we should have bought Anana the Everton player. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Before... Well, we, they no tried. Point. He didn't want to well, come, yeah, did he? But, well, listen, I think he did. Um, um, with footballers, um, particularly from his background, and I mean no disrespect by that, um, not wanting to come is often to be equated with how much extra money you're going to pay him and or his mm. agent um, in blunt terms. But the, the fact is that we needed to have bought the Declan Rice replacement before we actually sell Declan Rice because well, once we pick up down. 125 million quid for Declan Rice, um, we are going to get stung with every single player we look at. I yeah. think Downs is the replacement. I I, I think that, that, that's that been the slow burner coming. He's looked good coming inside. I think he is the replacement. For, well, I, he's looking I like he feels like... <clears throat> Sorry, Simon, let me say. I pose the question. I, I hope he can be because if he... If he can, and I don't expect him to become what Declan Rice is, but if he's good enough to forge a partnership with Paqueta and it works, then um, we'd have saved ourselves probably about 40 or 50 million quid um, and, and come back with someone who is nowhere near as good as Declan in any event because it's yeah. pretty much irreplaceable. I think hopefully now we can get the rest of this season really start to enjoy this pairing in midfield if they can really now start to flourish i think hopefully well you know you know down you're looking down the bottom and we're looking the only two that you think are really really struggling southampton and bournemouth yeah i think they'll go yeah but then yeah. it could be anyone yeah up, up to palace, could even go yeah palace yeah or even yeah palace do you think Villa? 28, is that well, two, 28 points? That was a bad uh, defeat for Villa, wasn't it? But, you know, I don't know. Um, I, think they've got it. I, think that, I think they've got enough, and I think 28 points in truth means that in reality, they only need to, fight, they only need to buy another 10, which is yeah. three wins and a draw, um, with almost half the season to go. You can't see them not getting to 38 points. Um, and I agree with you both that Bournemouth and Southampton look favourites to go. Um, and quite mar- marvellously or miraculously, we're not in any of the betting um, for the third team to go down, which I find surprising. Yeah. Um, 
we seem to avoid that. You know, they, you know, all the odds for being relegated, aside from those two, are Leeds and Everton and Wolves, um, but but not us. And um, we are sitting here very happily um, as a result of the last couple of games. But that midfield pairing um, this Saturday, the following week, uh, you know where, and then perhaps even more importantly at home against Forest. I think the next three games are going to be absolutely pivotal in where we end up this season. I think to the extent that if we get the right results, we could almost secure safety. Um, two wins in a draw. If we beat Chelsea, draw at the foul place, and um, who's so bad I cannot speak its name. But if we were to draw there and and beat Forest, um, honestly, I think we'll we are almost home. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I think that's I think that's big ifs, of course. Oh, sure. Ifs. But yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, I I, I think the good thing about looking looking ahead to Saturday, I think um, you know the fact that we there has been this little bit of an uptick. The, you know the results of uh, against Everton and Derby and, and and the performance, especially against Newcastle, means I think the crowd will be up for it. I think I think there's you know I think we'll be we'll be in their faces. And Chelsea are in a strange yeah. place at the moment. LA, yeah. You know it could all who knows it could all suddenly click for them on yeah. uh, Saturday. It wouldn't be surprising if it was against us that that that, that happens. You know, but but actually they've got they've got that sort of situation of an embarrassment of riches in terms of players, but no clear system, uh, a manager who's clearly on borrowed time there, isn't he? I, I, uh, they're going to get a big name in, aren't they? You know, yeah. this Bowley guy's not going to put up with, with, with him for, for much longer, I don't think, especially if the results don't go their way. Um, so it's interesting not, whether you know, you There can... are worse times to play them, I think. Yeah, you know. um, yeah go on, Mark. Think... What were you going to say? Well, I don't know how much input Potter's had on those signings as well, whether they've been thrown on. It, it just seems a bit chaotic. Yeah, exactly. So, yes. yeah, so that gut feeling at Newcastle, I did say, I was actually winding one of my mates up who absolutely hates Moyes on this uh, West Ham chat, that I think we'll get four points from uh, the um, Newcastle, Chelsea and Spurs game. And he was like, where's the win? And I said, well, we don't let goals in. And so well, I said Chelsea, but maybe, but possibly that, and Simon, that that could be where, and even, well, Spurs got a good result, didn't they, the other day? Well, uh, I, I think a big part of this, and, and Jim, you just touched upon it, particularly for this coming Saturday, but it applies to all three of these matches. Um, we have got to get in the faces for 95 minutes of all three of these teams. Yeah. I mean, Tottenham were, I watched the game against Man City and they were very good. And they did to Man City what we should have done to Man City. They didn't stand off them. And it was, although he wasn't physically there, um, Tottenham performed in a in the lockers classicals of their own manager. I mean, it really was yeah. an Antonio Conte performance. Totally. But when we go to the, when we go to that place... We have to absolutely get after those bastards um, from the very first whistle to the very last. Give them, close them down. Kuliszewski, we've got to, you've got to double down on Kuliszewski. You've yeah, got to yeah. double down on the fellow on the yeah. other side. Um, 
I, I, no, or, or um, what's his name? Yeah. And, and you've got to just stand up to Harry Kane and just kick him. And then you've got to engulf them in midfield like we did, you know, like we've done when we've beaten Tottenham in the last few years, we have physically imposed ourselves yeah, on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we've almost <clears throat> terrified them off the pitch. And I think they've, that's the way to actually beat them. Mm. You know, we can't respect them. You know, we can't stand off them. We've actually got to get in there and give them a bloody good old-fashioned kicking, not with, without breaking, of course, the rules of football, but we all know what I'm talking yeah. about here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we've got to do the same to Chelsea this yeah. coming Saturday. No room to breathe. You know, smother them, get after them, impose ourselves physically, and and it will work. But mm. if we just sit off like we did in the first three months of the season and mm. say, here, boys, take the ball and we'll wake up after you score, we are going to be in real problems. Yeah, I, I feel I feel the changes in defence have made that less likely now. I think I think um, uh, I, I'm optimistic we will we will get on the front foot against them. I watched the game against Fulham, and uh, Fulham counterattacked brilliant brilliantly again. Pressed them well, really pressed them hard, <laughs> and then counterattacked fantastically well against them. And they were. Fulham should have won the game. I mean, uh, Chelsea were, were lucky to get away with a, a draw in that game. Um, I know Fulham are a bit of a form team at the moment, but but they showed the way. You know, they they uh, Chelsea at the back, you know, are not uh, invincible. Um, and at well, the we moment, gave them a game at their place, didn't we? Absolutely, yeah. we did. Yeah. And apart for VAR, you know, would have got something out of it. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, I, I think it'll I think it'll be loud, and I think it'll be mm. will be in their faces and hopefully get something out of that that game um, right, they're always competitive against Tottenham these days I, I, I expect that to be a tight one as well and it frankly I, I you know I know they've improved in form but if we can't be Nottingham Forest at home we don't deserve to be in the Premier League yeah. well you say that but they've won they're undefeated in, they, yeah yeah but you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> we but, need to but... win that well, we, that's an absolute must win. But I think, you know, yes. if we can beat Chelsea um, and then take a point at that place um, thereafter, um, you know, it makes it so much easier to defeat Forrest. We don't want to have to play Forrest coming into that game after two successive defeats no, or just picking not. up one point. No. That's really not going to be a good place because they do have good players and they've got pace at Forrest. They are not, they're vastly improved on where they were before the World Cup. Um, they've had a very important turnaround, I think, in that period. But on Saturday, and what I did watch um, in the, what was Saturday morning, yeah, was the Arsenal-Everton game, because of all the talk you did on the podcast a few weeks ago about the prospect of Sean Dyche coming to West Ham. Mm, yeah. um, and Everton demonstrated what you can actually achieve if you... Um, double down on Saka, double down on Martinelli, and you squeeze their midfield and you completely keep Odegaard out of the game. It's not actually rocket science, but you've got to run around like a lunatic for 95 minutes to do it. And it really, I think, sets this repeated theme. You know, we do have a physicality at, yeah. in our club, but it's no good having it unless you bloody well use it. Yeah. Um, I get the That's my point. Yeah, I get the sense we will. After I, I, so I, I watched back the game, the Newcastle game, and then I 
and listened to Declan Rice with Aguered afterwards. And Declan straight away just talked about Chelsea game. He talked about Chelsea game, how the fans will be up for it. The players are going to be up for it. It's a London derby. And if you've got him talking about that on TV, he'll be talking about that in the changing room. They've, they, we, they've got to be up for this game. Yeah, um, yeah. And um, it was great to see Aguered. We didn't talk about his tackle. Oh, yeah, exactly. Game. Oh, my God. Bill, wait till you see that. Who's tackle? Oh, yeah, Phil, you've got to see it. A guard on... Yeah. He had about a yard. Wilson had about a yard. It was like the first goal. He had a yard in front of him. Uh, a guard was on his right. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe two yards? Am I giving him a bit too much? Maybe a yard, yard and a half. A yard. Yeah, yeah. He ended up running around him and tackling him on his left-hand side. He was through on goal. It was it was a winner. It was yeah. reminiscent of Moro and Jarzinho, in actual Yeah, oh. you, you just, but, but you basically thought, oh, shit, this is it. It's a goal. They're going to yeah. win it. And, he, and he, he tackles him right with the outside of his right foot, yeah. takes the ball cleanly. Uh, and that's his wrong foot, isn't he? He's left-footed yeah. again. Um uh, yeah, it was more. It was yeah, it was one of the more more like tackles I've it seen. It was sublime. It was brilliant. Uh, he did that a few times in the World Cup, didn't he? Just yeah. um, he's yeah. he's he's good because he's 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 got a lot of flair about him, but he's very he's very cautious. He cleans up. You know, he'll kick it. He'll tackle it in such a way that the ball goes into touch, goes into the dead ball line, you know, <clears throat> rather than try and sort of somehow keep possession or something. He'll kick the ball out of play. He'll make the tackle go out of play if he thinks that's the safest option. He's quite yeah. sort of, he is, you know, he is a defensively minded centre-back, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, without being... Yeah, but he's being... not reckless. He's not no, reckless. No. No, he's he doesn't clean. dive into challenges. He's surgical. Mm. Yeah. that's a great word yeah I'm an English I'll tell you what uh, the, the other really I, I, I thought Sufal was uh, and talking about yeah. in faces blood and guts mm. Sufal you know n never leaves anything on the pitch does he and he gave Sam Maximan got nothing out of Sufal no. in that game absolutely nothing yeah he I think great. He's, he's been on a kind of upturn for for a few weeks now I think you know I think he, you know he was one of the few after the break at the World Cup that seemed to have um, sort of improved a little bit. Um, yeah, so I mean, I guess uh, I guess it's time for predictions for Saturday's game. Oh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna nick the one one again. I, I, I don't think we'll lose it, but I, 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 I it'll be a tight game. One all. What do you think, Mark? Do you know what? When I do this pod, this always comes as a surprise, and we do it all the time. Mm. Um, one nil West Ham. One nil Simon. Oh, Bagrick, um, you <laughs> you really left me with with very little room to manoeuvre here. <laughs> um, thanks a lot. I, I took you were talking about one four sevens or be on the black. You've really got me snooking the pair of you here because um, oh. oh. Well, given what I'm left with, I'm going to be very boring and say nil-nil. Nil-nil. Right. Well, that leaves me uh, no option but the inevitable uh, West Ham 3, Chelsea 1. <clears throat> um, Excellent. I like it. Um, well, uh, 
I wonder if we'll ever see uh, Max Cornet. Oh, please. Oh, please. Talking oh, of the Chelsea yeah. game, uh, away yeah. at their place, uh, you know, his finest hour for us, after which he uh, very rapidly disappeared. Yeah, because the thing is, the glimpses we've had have been so exciting, haven't they? You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah. I remember watching him last year for Burnley, and I thought he was outstanding every time I saw him, usually in a highlights package. Yeah. Um, but he was... He, I, I kept thinking, you know, if they go down, we've got to buy this bugger. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he can really play. He's got pace. He's tenacious. You know, he's got a great... He, he can score. He's got a good shot from distance. Um, he's got the lot. And I was really pleased when we signed him. And and I thought that was probably, at the time, the best signing of, of all of them yeah. over the summer for me. And it has been so desperately disappointing that he's been injured to the extent he has. Um, and apparently it's, it's like a, a continuing mystery. They don't seem to know precisely what the problem is. Yeah. He's back in France, isn't he? I mean, it's, mm. it's, uh, it's absurd. Um, given Skamaka's uh, sort of mysterious injury and stuff, there, there was uh, something on, again, on the Facebook page talking about, you know, the possibility of at least including in the squad for games, uh, the sort of under-23 striker we have. Divine. Uh, yeah. Divine. Yeah. Is that the guy who came on for the last 10 minutes at Arsenal? Yes. Yes. He's he's got he's had minutes. And he this played season. in the last away game in the in along with Scar on his scars. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he didn't score, did he? He should have he It was it was goal, a different goal. goal. Yeah. Goal, but yeah. yeah. Um he looks he, lively. He's scored he a, a, he's a big bugger as well, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. 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 I mean you know, as a, as a kind of, you know, sort of Antonio understudy, I think he's sort of, <clears throat> if Antonio's going to be starting these games, you know, because Skamaka's, uh, you know, who knows, Skamaka might be back at the weekend. But um, yeah, it does seem that he's, uh, you know, someone that you could at least have on the bench, even if you yeah. want to just uh, chew up a few I, minutes at the end of a game. The, um, as, as a sort of footnote to that, the, the 18s, the under-18s are in to the yeah. quarterfinal of the Youth Cup, the uh, FA Youth Cup. For the first time in a in a long while, well, since um, two thousand and five, yeah, and he's mm. he's he's scoring for fun for them. So he's young; he's in the under eighteens. He's yeah, not large, yeah. you know. But um, the correlation to that is: why are we seemingly allowing um, the best youth talent um, in recent years to vanish, to be sold, almost given away with a packet of Omo? Um, you know, the, the kid that went to Newcastle, what, for a couple of million quid? Mm. How did West Ham allow that to happen? I mean, I saw Sonny Perkins score for Leeds a few weeks ago. He was dynamite. And why if, if we why are we not holding on to these players? So, yes, we've, we're, in the youth, we're in the quarterfinals of the Youth Cup for the first time since 2005. But unless we hold on and develop these players, so what? Yeah, yeah. Yes. I don't know the answer to that, to be honest. I, I hope we do. I hope he does get he, – he does look lively. When he comes on, he looks good and he's busy. Um, and it's what you need. At like last 10 minutes, there's no, as you say, Phil, he should be on the bench and you should yeah. be throwing him on last 10 minutes. Um, but we're generally – we're generally in ga- – we – because again, looking at why the game was moved, a derby, we we're not we don't really haven't we got a really one of the best defensive records in the Premier? Is it? Did I hear something? Yeah, around? 
It's pretty good, our defence. It's the fifth best record in the Premier League this season. It's just that we we haven't managed to stick it in the the other end. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The games are generally quite tight. And like we said earlier, we let in a goal to get back because we're not scoring. It's such a challenge to get back into a game. So there's generally games on a knife edge that... There's rarely a time that he didn't. He come on for Dar, uh, at Derby, didn't he come on for the last? Uh, yeah, yeah. Last ten minutes, yeah, he did. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, but on yeah. on that point, it brings me to this question. I'm from Saturday at Newcastle. Declan Rice, first proper corner I've seen a West Ham player take this season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What a, as soon as he hit it, I thought, "This is what a fizzer that is." Yeah. Yeah. You know, where have you been, Declan, at corners? I mean, or have we now reached the stage where, given he's expected to do everything, we might as well have him take the corners as well? He's been but, doing, he's been taking them for a little while, hasn't he? But and, that was and, a really good and, one. I mean, right. that, that's... Was, but generally... But, that's, but in order to score from a dead ball, you actually have to have a really good delivery. Yeah. And, you yeah, know, that definitely. question, well, why aren't we scoring this season from corners or free kicks <clears> is because in the main, the delivery has been pony. Yeah. Um, Saturday demonstrated what happens if you really fizz it in at pace. Um, you end up with Paqueta, mm. you know, performing his little two two step shuffle on the back post and whacking it in in the net. Yeah. That's what again, happens. this has been a bit of a, a Gerd loving, but the way his run was great, and the, I thought he quite he got a little flick onto that, or at mm. least got in front of the was it Joe Linton. Um, yeah, in front of Joe Linton, who I always just thought his name was Joe. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's only, what I didn't realize he was even Brazilian until <laughs> this weekend. I thought he was, and I thought, why do they just he? Why do they only call him Joe Linton? Mm. Yeah, why isn't it? Why is it not always Declan Rice? Yeah, yeah, he's not. Right. But he, he got in front again. Got in front of uh, Joe Linton, and got a slight flick, and that was just enough. So again, that was a great, great ball. So you're right; the ball was brilliant. And then um, Pakatar did really well. The way he threw yeah. off. Um, yeah, that was great. Yeah, wasn't it? yeah, it was yeah. Big wrestled, wasn't he? In the control down for the knee, and then just a roll in the finish. Oh, it was great. Good celebration. Right. What a celebration. Yes. Um, yes. Just lost, I think, lost a point on landing. Yeah, yeah. terrible. Um, Should have stuck out. I saw that. Yeah. Five. He did. He almost, exactly. almost, he didn't. He yeah. almost, almost, you know, made a made a tit of himself, really, didn't he? Nearly. Yes, if, he hadn't, if, if they hadn't stuck the landing, it would have been very similar to Robbie Keane's forward roll and uh, gun gesture. Oh, I hated that. I hated yeah. that. Oh, that was, was so pure. Oh. I'm sorry. I mean, with all the flick flacks and backflips that your kind of Obama Yangs do, doing a forward roll is like sort of school PE from the 1960s. <laughs> That's right. It's just really poor. It is really, yeah. really poor. I thought Pakatar I mean, was unlucky, though, because he had that, he, he was on that camber. The way the pitch drops off. Yes. I thought when he did that, he was on that, um, he needed a, another sort of raised boot. I think it was the off. I think it was the wind coming in off the time just at that moment yes. that just put him off balance just caught him in midair. Yes, yes. Well, that's why a lot of top <laughs> flight gymnastics is indoors. Uh, <laughs> that's the answer. 
yeah and on flat surfaces flat surfaces yeah yeah uh well well uh, that's it for this week's summer uh summertime (laughs) (laughs) do you know what it's getting lighter it's getting a lot lighter it's nice Thanks for jo- thanks for justifying <laughs> that. Um, my name's Phil Whelans. With me have been Jim Grant. Cheerio. Mark Gower. Thanks for having me. And Simon Pentor. Come on, you understand. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.